Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Today, Coach Sam is back again to finish off our macro series. So far, we've discussed fats and carbs, so it's only appropriate that we talk about our favorite macronutrient today, protein. Now, before we discuss protein and why it's a magical thing and how it can help you achieve your goals, I want to briefly go back to carbs since last week we forgot to mention one important thing and that's how much carbs to eat. So we talked all things carbs and how you don't have to fear them and you can include them, but we didn't really talk about how much you should eat. So we're going to give you a general recommendation. Now, the one thing I did mention on the last episode was that those who train for approximately one hour a day should consume at least three grams per kilo of body weight. But that's all we really said. What about the general population? What about people with diabetes, PCOS? So Sam, what do you think? What would be a good recommendation for our listeners when it comes to carb intake? Yeah, so with Protein, as we'll talk about today, there is a very specific recommendation that we're going to give you. There isn't necessarily a very specific one for carbohydrates. We do kind of have a minimum that we like people to meet, and then which is 130 grams per day. That is the amount that our brain needs just to function daily. So I always recommend at least 130 grams. When we talk about PCOS and diabetes, we really are talking about meal timing and how many carbs you're having per meal. So I generally recommend between 45 and 60 grams, depending on the person, how much they weigh, how active they are, and also making sure that those carbs are balanced with other things in that meal. So again, we're not just going to eat 60 grams of carbs with nothing else if we have PCOS or diabetes in particular, but we don't really like any of our clients doing that anyway. Um, So we're going to balance those carbs out with good proteins, healthy fats. The other way or version of this recommendation we can go is the percentage of your total calories. So it is recommended that 40 to 55% of your total calories comes from carbohydrates. So depending on how many calories you eat would depend on how many carbs is recommended. Mm -hmm. And the thing about carbs, it's the macro that's the most adjusted when it comes to nutrition. So you don't have to count macros. You don't have to track them. We've talked about that before. But for those who are tracking macros, when we coach them, carbs is the one thing that it is adjusted more than anything. Protein and fats stay pretty stable. We don't touch those too much. But carbs is the one macronutrient that is adjusted more than anything. And primarily because 
the more you move, the more you need when it comes to activity level. So again, if you have a sedentary person versus someone training for a marathon, that's a huge difference in carbohydrates. And even just talking about a marathon runner, for example, even though they always need adequate carbs to recover from training, there's going to be a huge difference between the carbs they need on a long run day where maybe like my marathon runner client on his long runs, sometimes they were 15 to 17 miles on a Saturday versus his Tuesday might be three to five miles. So if you're running three miles versus 17, you need way more carbs on your 17 mile day. So when it comes to carbs, what I teach my athletes and active people as a general rule of thumb is the more you move, the more you need. The higher intensity, the more you need. The longer duration, the more you need. But I think it's a good place to start with the 130 grams per day. Again, if our brain is not optimally fueled, are we really functioning properly? Not really. And back to my keto experiment, the thing that I did mention on the last episode is that the one thing that I felt within days of going keto was feeling super lightheaded. So those carbs weren't going to my brain because they weren't there. So 130 grams per day would be a good goal to hit. Spread those out with meals and snacks because like Sam said, it's more about meal balance versus total daily intake unless we're now talking about a calorie deficit, then we definitely want to consider total daily intake, but we'll dive into that in a bit. Now, Sam, what about the ratio for blood sugar balance? We had someone ask us that last week. I think it's a good thing to talk about since we're talking about both carbs and protein. Is there an optimal ratio for blood sugar balance at a meal? So you mentioned 45-ish grams of carbs, but what about a ratio to pro- of protein to carbs to prevent those blood sugar spikes? Definitely. So when you're balancing out your meal, if you're having around 45 grams of carbs, you want to have a, at least half of that in protein. So a two to one ratio of carbs to protein. So I always recommend my clients to try to aim for 25 to 35 grams of protein to balance out that 45-ish grams of carbs they will be consuming. Mm -hmm. Love that because it's simple. I had this conversation with a client yesterday and the example that I give just because round, simple numbers are easy. I said, uh, between a one-to-one and a two-to-one ratio. So if you're having 20 grams of protein, 20 to 40 grams of carbs. Sometimes it's easier to go the other way. Like, cause we always say, but first protein. So let's hit the protein. Let's get at least 20 grams of protein at meals. So 20 grams of protein, that's 20 to 40 grams of carbs. Of course, there can be more carbohydrates depending on the situation. But if you're trying to prevent that blood sugar spike, I wouldn't really go over that two to one ratio with athletes it's going to happen and it probably needs to happen because we need more carbs to optimize performance and recovery. So for a lot of our athletes, it's more of a three to one ratio of carbs to protein because they simply need more. But that was a flashback from last episode. We really wanted to have this conversation about amount of carbohydrates. 
Let's dive in to our favorite macronutrient now, protein. Why is protein important? I will say it's probably the most undereaten macronutrient of the three. Not so much not so much feared like the other two. I think that's important to mention. We talked about how important fat and carbs are in the diet. I think everyone knows that they should be eating protein. However, it's usually the one that's eaten the least amount. So a few reasons why that protein is so important, immune, hormone, and enzyme function. So when you just take those three words, right, those do thousands and thousands of things in our body every day. So making sure you're getting adequate protein in on a daily basis to make sure that your hormones are optimally functioning, make sure your immune system is firing, you know, especially as we get into the colder months healthy hair and skin. So I think every woman in the world wants healthy hair and skin, right? You're going to achieve that by making sure you're eating enough protein. Maintaining muscle mass as we age. This is so crucial. Generally, as we age or in the past, people have declined their protein intake and have worked out less or done resistance training less. And we need that to actually be the opposite. We need to make sure you're maintaining that as we age. Um, Of course, muscle growth, right? This is probably the most popular one. If you want to add more muscle, you need to make sure you're eating adequate protein to allow that muscle to grow and repair. If you want to have body recomposition, so if you want your body to look more quote unquote toned, that just means it has more muscle on it. So you need to make sure you're eating enough protein um, for that. And then just keeping us full and satiated. A lot of times clients come to us saying, I'm always hungry. I have cravings all the time. We add a little bit more protein to their day and that pretty much resolves that. So making sure you're eating that right balance to reduce those cravings. And then like we mentioned earlier, it helps regulate those blood sugars. So you need to make sure you're having that protein with those carbohydrates to manage that blood sugar. So many magical things that we listed. Like, And that's why protein is a game changer, right? It helps you build muscle. It helps you uh, achieve a leaner body composition. It helps you feel full. It helps regulate blood sugars. Oftentimes, the answer is protein. It's just, well, I, I want to say it's just that simple. It's We make it sound easier than it is. Most people coming in, like we said, they know protein is important. They may have been trying to increase their protein on their own, but it can be challenging to get the amount that you need each day if you're not really sure what that amount is and how to get there. But I think it's important to restate that our need for dietary protein becomes increasingly important when we're seeking to build muscle, when we're focusing on fat loss, and as we age. Like Sam said, as people get older, they tend to do two things less, and they need to do them more, which is strength training and eating adequate protein. It's a game changer, especially for our clients that are in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s. When they start to strength train and get adequate protein, they actually start to see a lot of improvements in their health, in their body composition, in their health markers, which is really fun to see. Now, most people know which foods have protein, but just for funsies, let's let's give a small list, shall we? 
I think most people understand that your protein does come from your animal products, right? So you're thinking your meat products like poultry and beef and pork and your fish and yourself, your shellfish. Other places you'll find it are eggs, dairy, particularly like a cottage cheese or a Greek yogurt. Cheese does have some uh, protein as well. Of course, you can get it from a good old protein powder. And then some plant-based proteins include beans and legumes and things like edamame. Um, I think the important part here is when people think about this, a lot of times it's, oh, I have this piece of sausage, that's a good protein source. And I think that's the thing to break down is recognizing which foods are high in protein and which foods are high in fat and protein, as we kind of talked about in our fat pot, our fat episode, just creating the awareness and having the education to understand which ones are really truly high in protein versus which one is like a combination food of fat and protein. One of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to foods with protein are foods that people think are high in protein, but they're really not. And the first one that comes to mind is peanut butter. Would you agree, Sam? It's my favorite one to talk about. It's one of those things where we're not saying don't have peanut butter. I have peanut butter every single day. But if you are trying to hit a certain protein goal, especially a higher protein goal, peanut butter is not really going to help you get there, especially if you're trying to keep your calories in check. For example, one serving of peanut butter is two tablespoons, which provides 190 calories, 16 grams of fat, and only seven to eight grams of protein. So again, if you're trying to keep your calories in check, you're only getting seven to eight grams of protein for 200 calories. If you were eating a chicken breast, you could probably get 30 grams of protein for less than 200 calories. So we would call peanut butter a not-so-lean protein option, which simply means that peanut butter has a high fat-to-protein ratio. It doesn't mean you can't have it. Again, I have it every day, but it's not going to help you get to 150 grams very quickly, for example. Any other foods you can think of, Sam, that people think are high in protein and then they're like, wait, what's going on? High fat meat. So again, people will automatically assume like, oh, this is a meat. It's high in protein. And while it has some protein, such as sausage or ribeyes, um, like pork butts, you know, pork tenderloin is lean, but a pork butt is much fattier. There's nothing wrong with these foods. They're just considered fat rich foods, not protein rich foods that, you know, fat rich foods that include some protein. So we're not labeling these foods as you shouldn't have them. We're just labeling them what they are, what their macronutrient is most dense in. And this is why we recommend, for people that love sausage, we recommend a lot of chicken sausage or turkey sausage just because it is a leaner option. For example, your classic cheddar brat, which I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, is like 300 calories for this tiny little brat. You only get like 9 or 10 grams of protein. Fat is like 20 grams. 
So that's not super helpful because you're eating this tiny brat. It's only 300 calories and you're getting nine grams of protein versus most chicken sausage. They're going to be between 120, 160 calories. And you're typically going to get 15 to 20 grams of protein. And they make all the flavors now. So you can get like mozzarella chicken sausage. And honestly, I think they pretty much taste the same once they add all the flavors. So I am here for it when it comes to chicken sausage, especially when I was tracking macros last year. It was very, very helpful. And they're pre-cooked. So you just like slice them up, brown them on a pan, boom. Magical. I always, I always say that it's so much easier to find flavorful lean proteins even in the last three to four years than it was five plus years ago. You couldn't really find chicken sausage on the market that was like actually a lean chicken sausage and that tasted similar to regular sausage. Yeah, that was not a thing. I feel like chicken sausage is just the last few years and that's because the world has realized that protein is a game changer. So now everything has protein or every company is trying to make the leanest protein option because it's a trend that's here to stay because we have realized how important it is. And again, we're not saying don't eat the fats, but let's create awareness that most fats contain protein, like nuts and seed, for example, and most proteins contain fat, right? Like all your animal products, your animal protein, those contain some fat, just some less than others. Now, enough about listing all the proteins and talking about peanut butter. Let's move on to everyone's question, which is probably one of the questions I get the most from just random people on the internets. And that's, Danny, how much protein I should eat? And I love getting that question when it's random because I need way more information than how much protein should I eat? Like, I can't just look at someone and tell them, this is the amount that you should eat. I think I could give, like, an estimate. Like, I think if a random woman came up to me in her 50s, I'd be like, at least 100 grams, because I'm going to assume that she's currently eating less than 100, and that's a good place for her to start. But when this random guy on Instagram's like, Danny, how much protein should I do? I was like, I don't even know you. And I need to ask you at least four questions before answering this. So let's talk about different situations because the answer is it depends. So we're going to give you a few different scenarios of different types of people and a range for calculating your protein needs. Let's start with healthy sedentary adults. Yeah. So the current RDA, which is the recommended dietary allowance, asks for 0.8 grams per kilogram. So this, how to translate this, just to give some examples, if somebody is 130 pounds, that would equal 47 grams per day. If somebody was 200 pounds, that would be 73 grams per day. Now, if you're a pivot client, you are laughing right now because you're like, there is no way I eat double or maybe even triple these numbers. And that's because the RDA doesn't represent your ideal intake. It represents the minimum amount you need to prevent malnutrition and any, you know, these diseases along the way. 
Most recent studies have suggested an RDA of 1.2 grams per kilogram. And in in that of healthy and sedentary adults should aim for 1.2 to 1.8 even. So even if you're not active at all, we're doubling the amount that you you should have um, on a daily basis. So I think that's really important to remember if you're eating somewhere between 50 and 70 grams of protein a day, think about doubling that. (laughs) Yeah, as an adult, this is for adults. Yeah, the RDA cracks me up whenever... I even see people on Instagram saying, you only need 0.8 grams per kilo. And I'm like, yeah, to prevent malnutrition. But most people are not trying to prevent malnutrition. Most people are trying to improve blood sugar balance. Most people in America are trying to manage their weight. And when it comes to those things, we need so much more than 0.8 grams per kilo. And if you're like, oh my gosh, Danny, I don't know what this whole kilo deal is. Just take your body weight in pounds, divide it by 2.2, and that's your weight in kilos. So me, pre-pregnancy, 130, divide that by 2.2, that's 59 kilos which is why if I was multiplying 0.8 grams per kilo at 130 pounds, that would be me eating 47 grams a day, which is really hilarious because that's probably how much protein I get at dinner or close to it. So again, that is for healthy, sedentary adults. And with our higher range that Sam mentioned, where 1.2 to 1.8 grams of protein per kilo per day would be more appropriate for someone who's 200 pounds before with the 0.8, that was about 73 grams per day. But if we have that 1.2 to 1.8 range, that would be 110 to 165 grams of protein per day, which just seeing those numbers makes me feel better already. Right. So if you feel like you're not eating enough, just starting at that 110, you know, if you were below a hundred is don't, don't feel like you have to eat 165 grams, start at a hundred to 110 and work your way up. Yeah. Don't go from zero to a hundred. Um, we try to increase our clients protein intake gradually. So if Susan comes in at 70 grams, we're not going to go from 70 to 150. We like to increase in increments of like 10 to 15, Because if you go really high really quick, like if you're going from 75 to 150, you might feel constipated. We've seen that a few times where people were like, hey, this is the goal that we're going to work towards. And we tell them we're going to work towards it. And then overnight they get excited and they go from zero to 100 and they're like, I'm constipated. We're like, that's why we said we were going to work towards it nice and slow. So again, with the protein, figure out how much you're eating and then slowly make your way up to that higher target. Now let's talk about athletes. So when it comes to athletes and protein, it's a pretty big range for protein, 1.2 to 2.0. The International Society of Nutrition recommends more of a 1.4 to 2.0 range, which is pretty close. Um, But that's the ranges to optimize recovery from training and promote growth and maintenance of lean mass. 
So again, that's a pretty big range, 1.2 or 1.4 to 2 grams per kilogram. But more recent research, and I know a lot of sports dietitians out there, including myself, we recommend more of at least 1.6 grams per kilo. And that's the more recent research is stating that it might be better to have this higher intake for athletes. So typically, I want my athletes at 1.6 grams per kilo at a minimum because this is the amount of protein to maximize and preserve lean muscle mass. Some people need more. There are some athletes that need upward of 2.2 grams per kilo. Anytime you see 2.2 grams per kilo, that's the same thing as one gram per pound. Because when we go from pounds to kilos, we divide by 2.2. So one gram per pound and 2.2 is about the same. So for athletes, we'll typically be in that range of 1.6 to 2 or 1.6 to 2.2. Some may need higher amounts if they're trying to build muscle, which we'll talk about next. So what about muscle gains? How much do we need? Yeah. So when we're talking about muscle gain, I think it's important to note that you have to be resistance training or strength training to be able to grow muscle. You can't eat all the protein in the world and the muscles just appear bigger (laughs) on your body. So I think it's important that you're doing both of those things at the same time, but you need adequate protein to, again, repair and grow that muscle as you are strength training. So to build muscle, most people should aim for 1.6 to 2.4 grams per kilogram. So again, just to break that down and give you some examples, 130 pounds would equal 95 to 140 grams of protein per day. Or if somebody was 200 pounds, it would require 145 to 218 grams of protein day a day. So again, big gaps there. But again, always start at that at least 1.6 grams per kilogram if you're interested in building muscle. And it's important to note that if someone is obese, it's a different situation. Then we have to look at ideal body weight, not actual body weight. So if someone is 350 pounds, but they're only 5'8", well, then we're not going based on body weight, then we would want to do a calculation on ideal body weight. So keep that in mind. If if someone or if you have a lot of excess body fat, if you need to drop 80 to 100 pounds, this is where I would get an individualized recommendation because it would be really, really hard to get 250 plus grams of protein or 300. We have seen people that come to us with crazy recommendations. Didn't you have a client that was like 5'4 and someone told her to have 250 grams of protein per day? And we were like, ah, what's happening? Yes, because she was coming from somebody who wasn't as experienced. They weren't a dietitian. They were just a nutrition coach online. So they were just using these generic numbers, but she, she had a lot of more body fat to lose. So we weren't using her actual body weight in this situation. We were using ideal body weight. And I think this just goes to show what Danny had said earlier is we can't just give you a recommendation 
just by looking at you or just because you're in our Instagram DMs asking us what protein you need. This is very individualized based on how active you are, how much you weigh, all different types of things. So if you are really considering it, I would consider reaching out and hiring a coach to give you more specific recommendations and to do it in a uh, sustainable way that you're not, you know, doubling your intake overnight. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of someone that I think started working with us. I think one of your clients that signed on maybe like three to four weeks ago, and she was so confused as to why she wasn't losing body fat. And a lot of people, when I jump on the phone with them, they have tracked macros before. And I'm like, oh, great. Tell me what your macros are set at. And this person was trying to lean out and she was consuming, her protein was at 76 grams per day. And immediately I'm like, well, I know what we need to do. Like I was so not confused anymore. Again, most people that come to us with previously set macros, those macros 99% of the time are so off in at least one way that I'm like, oh, who calculated this? Is it like your friend? Is it a robot calculator? Is it my fitness pal? Because there's just, there's not really an online calculator that does it like a human with a brain that can assess more than just your height and body weight and your gender. So just know that those online calculators are a starting point. It's not like, this is the magical answer that's going to help you. And since we were just talking about muscle gain, like you said, you can't just eat more protein and be muscular. We have to strength train, ideally progressive overload, but there's really four key components to building muscle. Adequate protein, strength training, sleep is the third one because we repair and synthesize muscle when we sleep more than any other time of day. And also eating enough, (laughs) eating enough. You cannot build muscle in a calorie deficit. Yes, you can look more toned in a calorie deficit, but if your number one goal is to build muscle, you have to eat enough calories in general. And it's a lot easier to build muscle in a slight surplus versus at maintenance or in a calorie deficit. So sometimes with our clients, if they want that leaner, more athletic appearance, we have to take a break from fat loss and we have to be at least at maintenance, but ideally in a surplus if they want to build muscle mass. So that's protein for muscle gain. Let's talk about fat loss and protein, because this is something that we deal a lot with, with our clients and in our program. Sam, what does our protein need to look like if we're trying to lose body fat? Yeah. So our protein looks very similar to when somebody is trying to build muscle. Now, again, it is a little bit different. As Danny mentioned earlier, you're not going to be building muscle in a fat loss phase, but the important part of keeping that protein high is to preserve the lean muscle that you already have. So the recommendation is very similar. Again, aiming for 1.6 to 2.4 grams per kilogram. And other than preserving that lean muscle mass, 
It also is really good for helping to keep us feeling fuller for longer while we're in a fat loss phase. As we know, we have to be in a calorie deficit to lose fat. And that means we're going to be eating less than we're burning throughout the day. So we want to make sure we're staying as full as long as possible. And it also helps reduce those cravings. So if you feel like you're on the hamster wheel of I'm trying to lose weight, but I'm, I can't, you know, suppress those cravings, you might just need to increase that protein intake. Now that's a lot of numbers and people listening might be like, oh my gosh, grams per kilo. Like you, you lost me at kilos because I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. So why don't we give our listeners some more basic and simplified protein recommendations? So if you're listening and you're like, first of all, I'm overwhelmed with all these numbers. And second, like, I know I'm not eating enough protein. What's a good starting point? So how can we get people started on just getting adequate protein in the, the simplest way? My best tip for you is to just start with making sure you have a protein source at every meal and snack. So when you're building out whatever meal or snack you're deciding on, the first thought is, what's my protein source here? And then if you want to take it a little further than that, then we can get into more of the label reading of, okay, now I'm, I have a protein source, but how much protein does this source actually have? Does it have 15 grams of protein per serving? Does it have 25 grams of protein per serving? So then you can really identify how much you are actually getting per meal or per snack. For sure. So step one, simply include a protein source at each meal and snack. And I think the in-between of the just have a protein source and looking at the grams, which I just thought of, which sometimes they teach in school or in very basic nutrition courses or handouts. It's using like hand portions as an example. So the one for protein is the size of your palm. So if you look at your hand, the size of your palm is about one serving of protein. For most people, that's about three to four ounces. And if you're like, oh my gosh, more numbers, I don't know what these ounces mean. One serving of protein is about the size of a deck of cards, okay? So step one, include protein at each meal and snack. Step two, at each meal, let's have a palm-sized protein portion. So that's going to give you at least 20 grams of protein if you're doing animal protein or dairy. So chicken, fish, beef, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, for example. And then I would say step three is, okay, let's look at nutrition facts, labels on foods, and let's see if our proteins are giving us at least 20 grams at meals. So for example, if you're buying a Yoplait yogurt, I think that has six grams of protein for that little cone-shaped container. Well, that's not enough. So let's maybe pick a different vanilla-flavored yogurt that has 20 grams of protein, like the Oikos Pro, for example, or the Ratio yogurt. Um, what I like to do is actually mix a lower protein yogurt. So triple zero, the Oikos Black containers, they're only 15 grams. So I just like to scoop a few spoonfuls of plain Greek yogurt into it and mix it up. That way I don't have to eat two containers of the triple zero because they're pretty sweet. So I like to just mix it with the plain stuff. It's kind of my hack to bump up the protein without increasing the sugar. So basically protein at each meal and snack. Then 
think more of like a palm size at meals and just including some at snacks. And then next would be trying to get at least 20 grams at meals. And I would say like at least eight grams at snacks if we're looking at a label. Let's summarize everything we talked about today. Why is protein a game changer? Sam, want to summarize it for us? Absolutely. So, you know, again, kind of going back to the even the beginning of muscle growth and repair, I think most people are familiar with this benefit of protein, but it's the most important. So making sure you're able to grow that muscle and also repair that muscle and also maintain and preserve that muscle. We want to be reducing those cravings. We want to stay fuller for longer. Nobody likes the feeling of feeling hungry all day. So let's stay fuller for longer. And then blood sugar balance. Again, back to the beginning, if you have PCOS or diabetes or just for our lifestyle clients that don't have any of these underlying diseases, it's so important to keep that blood sugar stable throughout the day. Definitely. So basically, why is protein a game changer? It's going to help you build and maintain muscle mass, reduce cravings, increase fullness, and optimize blood sugar balance. What more could we want? I mean, it's a magical thing. Look at all these things. And these are things people struggle with every single day. So protein might just be the missing piece to your nutrition. And it is for a lot of our clients. When we ask our most successful clients when they graduate, so what was one thing that made a really big difference for you? And I feel like 75% of the time or more people say, it's the protein. It's the protein. And again, eating enough protein is not going to solve all your problems. Like Sam said, eating more protein is not going to just magically help you like have all this muscle on your body. You're not just going to wake up looking all bulky and muscular. Uh, Also, eating more protein is not going to make you bulky. So if that's what you got from that, don't worry. Um, But just know that protein is often the missing piece to many people's struggles when it comes to nutrition, lifestyle, and fitness. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.